It's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 488 for May 26, 2017. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchatz. He's not back with Programming by Stealth this week, but with a new episode of Taming the Terminal. This is episode 37 of N. Is that correct? That is indeed. Uh, the numbers don't go up very quickly anymore in Taming the Terminal, but I did promise to still be occasional updates, and here we are. That's right. You did say it was N all along. You had you had a method to your madness when you named these, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Although I don't know what we'd have to make up for the next thing we decide to do, because N is sort of common, X is sort of common, I guess Y. Or mm. T. T is, well, it's usually time. Yeah, I have to have a think about that. Anyway, we're a long way away from that because there's plenty of uh, stealthy programming still to be done. Yay. And I'd say there's still a fair bit of terminal timing to be done intermittently as well. So I, there was an excuse I found to do this, but basically I was getting cranky about something that Apple broke in in Sierra and I finally found a really nice solution. I was like, actually, this is an excuse to do an entire episode of timing the terminal. So we're going back to look at SSH again. Oh, good. We've been SSHing a lot to my server. We have. And did you know, did you notice that? So I made you set up nice, secure SSH identities with uh, passphrases protecting the private key. And it was all really well and it worked perfectly on 10.11 El Capitan. And then since you've upgraded to 10.12 Sierra, you've had to enter your passphrase. Have you noticed that? Um, no, I don't do that when I open that SSH tool you get, you told me to use. SSH ah, shell. Okay. Yeah, so that's the reason I started using SSH shell is because if you just use the terminal in Sierra, it doesn't work anymore. Or oh, least, really? It doesn't work out of the box. Ah, okay. And figuring out why that is and what the official formal proper solution is opened up a whole new thing we haven't actually covered. Something which sounds a bit like something out of a James Bond movie. The SSH agent. <laughs> so although the trigger for this was the was Apple changing how they do things, the SSH agent isn't Mac specific. The SSH agent is actually across all OSs. Even, even Windows people can play with SSH agents if they like because it's available through... Sigwin, which gives you basically the full Linux version of SSH, which includes SSH agent. And it's obviously available on every flavor of Linux and Unix. Um, and even on Windows, actually, Putty. So, the, you, you know, remember Putty, the, the great little SSH client for Windows? Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, well, they, I used Putty when I had to use Windows. Well, the Putty people also have a version of SSH agent called P-Agent. So I guess they go with Putty, like they have PTelnet and stuff. So everyone can actually play along with SSH Agent. So we're going to break this into two, a game of two halves. So first, we're going to talk about SSH Agent, why it exists, what it does, how you use it. And then we're going to go and see what Apple used to do behind the scenes entirely automatically in such a way that we kind of didn't notice they were doing it. It sort of happened by black magic. We're going to demystify the magic, explain what they've changed, and then tell you how to make stuff behave like it used to. Okay. So... I'm going to start with a bit of revision because it's been quite some time. So we, we first talked about SSH in part 29 of N, and then we sort of talked about making SSH more secure with these things called SSH identities in part 30 of N. So that's quite some time ago, even if we hadn't taken a massive in-between gap. <laughs> so there's two common ways to authenticate when you're SSHing from one computer to another. There's passwords 
where you basically hand the computer your SSH thing to the username and password you would like to SSH in as, and the computer checks that the username and password you gave matches what they have stored locally. And if they do, it lets you in. The obvious downside is you have to give your password over and back, and passwords tend to be not nearly as long as keys and things. And then the other option is something called an SSH identity, which is basically a public-private key contraption. Um, an identity consists of two halves, a private key, which you never, ever, 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 ever let leave your computer or your control in any way, shape or form. And a public key, which you are free to distribute to the world, shared from the rooftops, sky right in the sky, anything you like with. That's kind of the whole point. And so the way it works is what you hand to. So let's say that you want to SSH to my server or you want to SSH to another computer of yours. What you move to the computer you want to log in to is the public key. And you basically tell the computer, here's the public key that matches the private key that's going to that's never going to be handed to you, but they're going to prove they have it with a bit of crypto. Um, and so the private key and the public key are in separate files. The file names are identical, except for the fact that the public key ends in .pub. Hmm. And as we learned in part 30 of N, you generate these identities or key pairs using the SSH minus keygen command. Um, there's also a concept of a default identity, um, which is basically a file that SSH just checks to see if it exists by default. So you can pass all the SSH commands, the minus I argument, to specify the path to a specific identity. But most of the time, you're going to use your default identity. And then you just don't specify one, and then that gets picked up by default. And that will be found on modern machines at tilde slash dot SSH slash ID underscore RSA. And so when we ran SSH keygen, we created one of those. And there's also a matching file, which is the public key belonging to that private key, which is tilde slash dot SSH slash ID underscore RSA dot pub. So those two together are your default identity. Oh, the now, combination of those is. Yeah, so the identity is both, right? The identity is the pair. The bit you keep secret doesn't end in dot pub. And the bit you're allowed to tell people does end in dot pub for public. Right, okay. Um, when you run SSH keygen, it's not really subtle about the fact that it would like you to not just have a private key, but it would like you to store that private key in an encrypted format so that if someone physically gets the file, that's not enough. They need the file and they need the passphrase to decrypt the private key. And the danger so again of them having the p private key is they can basically become you? Correct. Okay. Yes. The, the private key is you in terms of SSH identities. So if a server allows you to SSH in, anyone with your private key is you. So that could be dangerous. If you're using these, if you're using keys to control access to say all the pod feed servers or whatever, mm -hmm. which you are if you're using DigitalOcean because they don't use passwords because they're too insecure, they use keys because they're much more secure, they're much longer, much stronger. There's no such thing as a weak key. Well, there is if you're very stupid, if there's a bug in the program. But in theory, if you have a properly implemented key generation function, there's no such thing as a weak key because they're all massively long. A weak password, that definitely exists. So when you run SSH keygen, it asks you for a passphrase. And it doesn't even say password, it actually says passphrase. And it will allow you to enter a blank one. It'll then say, are you absolutely sure you want to do that? That's not the best idea in the world. And then it will say, okay, fine then, if you insist. So you can have an unencrypted identity. But the hint is more than subtle, that that's not really what SSH would like you to do. They would, it would like you to encrypt your identity because it's so important. Now, 
one of the nice things about SSHing with keys is you don't have to type in your username and password. Only if you follow the default instructions and you set a passphrase on the key, well, then what's changed is which password you enter. Because instead of entering the password of your account on the remote machine, you now enter the password to decrypt your identity. So you have changed one password for another, which isn't really, yes, it's more secure, but it's definitely not more convenient. So this is why the SSH agent exists. The raison d'etre for the SSH agent is to give you all the security of encrypted identities and to let you have your convenience as well, which is a rare thing in security. But in this case, the SSH agent helps you there. So back up, did you explain how that's not the case without default identities? Or, or without... um, no, it's exactly the same. With If you don't use an identity, then you enter usernames and passwords. And if you do use an identity, then you're using those that identity. So if you don't put a key on it, if you don't put a passphrase on the identity, then you log in passwordless. I've right? I've missed the the problem in the better way that that hasn't okay, really. Okay, so sunk if you in. if you encrypt your identity, then every time you try to use that identity, you will be asked to decrypt that identity. Right. Therefore, every time you SSH with your identity, you have to enter the passphrase for your identity. Right. So from a user's point of view, you used to type a password, which you sent to the far computer, and now you're typing a passphrase to unlock your key. So actually, what's changed? Okay. From a convenience point of view, clearly nothing has changed. You used to enter one password, and now you enter one password. The difference is, of course, that the SSH keys are more secure than passwords. But nonetheless, you haven't gained any sort of benefit in terms of convenience by switching from passwords to keys, right? Okay. So you used to enter a password, now you enter a password. So you as the end user don't feel like things have gotten any better. Right. Okay. And and now with an identity... No, that is with an identity. So, okay. So without an identity, you send your username and password to the remote machine. The remote machine compares the usernames and passwords and then decides whether or not to let you in. Username and passphrase. Password. We would, it's normally called a password when you just use username and password. It's like the password for the computer you're SSHing to. Okay, that's, so that's with a default operation. identity. No, 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 no identity. Oh, no identity. <laughs> okay, password. that's username with no and password. identity. Okay, right, just plain old username and password like you would use all over the internet. Okay, right. That that is not a particularly secure way of doing things. Gotcha. Okay, so that's username and password. Then with a default identity, with any identity, right? The only difference, the only thing about a default identity is that you don't have to type it into the command. You can just say SSH. You don't have to type SSH space minus I space the path to the identity. The default identity is no different to any other identity. It's just that you don't have to specify it. Okay, but at this point, we still have to type in the passphrase. We type in not the password for us on the remote computer. I said passphrase. Exactly. We type in the passphrase to decrypt our identity because we have been good people and we have encrypted our identity. So with any kind of identity, default or otherwise, you have to type in the passphrase. Correct. Okay, so what makes it not have to type in the passphrase? Well, that's where SSH agent comes in. So you can either not have to type in the passphrase because you set a blank one, which is obviously not the security best practice way of going about things. Or I'm going to tell you how SSH agent can save you all the hassle. Ah, so you haven't told us that yet. No, I'm setting it up. Thank you. Okay. I thought you had already set it up and I was like, wait, wait, wait. Okay. 
All right, good. No, no. So this is the problem to be solved: is that if right. you if you just use SSH identities as is, you haven't made your life any easier. You have made your life a little well, not a little bit. You've made your life more secure, but you haven't made it easier. And but I we promised can have you both. both. Okay, okay. Now I'm and now I'm caught up. Okay, so the SSH agents basically they're there to cache the decrypted identities. They don't cache your password or your passphrase, they cache the result of decrypting the identity. The private keys? Yes. They cache the private keys in a completely non-permanent way. So an SSH agent is a very ephemeral thing. So there will be an agent for every person. So basically, you log into your computer, an agent will start. It will cache the identities you use. And then when you log out, it will stop and it will destroy everything it had cached. Nothing will ever have been written to disk. It's entirely kept in RAM and it's protected RAM and all of the power of Unix is used to protect it. So, we, you know, Unix properly manages its memory and so forth. And so it's an ephemeral cache of the decrypted version of your key. So you enter the passphrase once. The SSH agent then caches the result of the decryption. So it's not caching your passphrase. It's caching the decrypted key, and all of the SSH apps, so the SSH command, the SCP command, the SFTP command, and any GUI app that uses the SSH libraries, they all know how to find your running SSH agent. It's basically, it's especially named something called a socket within the OS. Okay, stop for just a second. I've been waiting for a break to ask this. You said that this is an ephemeral thing that exists when you log in at the, you're talking about when you log into your local computer or when you log into the host or into the the server? You're logging the computer using SSH from. So right right now I'm not SSH'd anywhere, but that thing is, that agent exists right now. It's, it's ephemeral. If you're on a Mac, yes. If you're on a Mac, there is an SSH agent waiting for you to use it. Okay. Sitting so in your computer. It's and not you, when I invoke you, the SSH command that it starts no. existing. It exists as soon as I log in. Yes, because Apple does that for you. Okay. Now, if you're not using a Mac, if you're using Linux, you may need to install a package through Yomar apt get to make that be so. But all of the Linuxes have the ability to do this, to, to run an SSH agent for you and to control it. So when you log in, an agent is created. And when you log out, that agent is destroyed. All of the Linux and Unixes have that ability. Whether or not it's on by default is going to vary from Linux flavor to Linux flavor. How you make it be so if it isn't so by default is going to vary from Linux flavor to Linux flavor. So if you're not on a Mac, you're going to have to do a little bit of RTFMing. The answer is it may be just like the Mac that it's there automatically, or it may not, and I can't tell you. But Mac users, if you are running a version of Mac of the Apple operating system that is newer than 10.5, you have this. This was introduced by Apple back in Leopard in 10.5. It would. This conversation would suggest to me that not having a password on my Mac would be to open my Mac would be really dumb. Well, no, because the SSH agent running doesn't actually give anyone anything. You mean somebody the walks agent- up and sits down at my computer? Can't they SSH in to my no. server? No, because the agent is there to cache your key when you enter the passphrase. So you enter the passphrase once and then you don't have to enter it again right. until you log out. Okay, yes. Yeah, so if you don't lock your screen, then yes. Well, that's what so I mean about having a password. Server, <laughs> that's what I meant. Okay, so yeah, but if, you, if your computer was off and they just turned it on and you didn't have a password, they wouldn't get anywhere. They would only get somewhere if you had SSH'd and not yet logged out. 
Okay. Because until you use the key the first time, I'm sorry, until you use the identity the first time, it isn't loaded into the agent. And the first time of login, you mean? The first time you use the SSH identity. So that means that you maybe you open transmit and you SFTP a file. Okay, so or, let's say I've done that. I've I've opened transmit, I've SFTP'd a file, it knows my credentials now. I mean, I'm, I've, I've got this thing running. I log out and I... I uh, or let's say I don't log out. I just walk I away from say, my if you computer. Log out, problem's gone. Well, so it's logging in away. that causes it to exist again. Right, but it won't cause the passwords to exist again. There, once once you log out, there the cache is destroyed. It's a cache. It's not. It's non-permanent, volatile storage. But that would mean I'd have to enter the passphrase again the next time I Correct. log in. Yes, you said so you only you have to do it once. The passphrase once. Yes, once, and then it's cached until you log out. So if you if you copy a thousand files, you're entering the password once instead of a thousand times. Okay, but so if I log out, log back in, I have to enter the passphrase again. Yes, but once. there is a solution for the Mac. But let's leave the Mac aside. Yes, let's let us look only at the generic case. Yes. Okay. So the, it's a caching agent. So the first time you use your identity, it caches it but you've had to enter your password to load it that first time, and then it stays cached until you either tell the agent to forget, which you can do, or until you log out and the agent is destroyed, at which point it forgets everything it knows. So I asked earlier, is that agent running as soon as I log in? And you said yes, but you're saying it doesn't know the passphrase yet, so it's not really... Well, it's I running, mean, it's waiting. It's sitting there it, waiting to cache whatever it gets. But, but, but I have to enter the passphrase for it to, to have that. Yes. So okay, that's what I was asking originally. I, th- I, I thought you were saying it was basically running all the time. It's running all the time. It just doesn't know anything. It's a cache, right? So a cache is running. doesn't mean it has anything in it. It's still running. Okay. There is a process running, waiting to intercept and store the decrypted keys and to hand them out to every SSH-enabled app without bothering you. So when you type the SSH command, the first thing it does is it says, is there, an ident- is there an identity file to use? Yes, there is. Do I have the key for that identity file sitting in the SSH agent? Let's say the answer is yes, I do. Then you will log in without ever having to enter a password. Okay. And that will happen automatically, seamlessly. But the very first time after you reboot your computer or after you log in, the SSH agent will be asked, dear agent, you're up and running and alive. Do you happen to have this particular pass uh, this particular private key and the answer will be nope then ssh will pop up a prompt saying please enter your passphrase you'll enter the passphrase the key will be decrypted the key will be used by ssh and cached by the agent okay yes yes perfect and then as soon as you either tell it to forget or as soon as you log out the agent loses all memory of everything and so your decrypted version of your key is kept it's available for a long time potentially if you don't log out very often but it's kept securely in a safe way so that's important well, very important if i'm not logging out it's not secure at all somebody it's walks up to my computer every other thing on your computer so if you leave your computer logged in without a screensaver then everything on your computer is unsafe right but no 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 this is much worse this isn't what's on my nope. computer this is my server that's unsafe now that's completely way worse. It's no different to being logged into Google. 
which you would be doing in your browser. You have what? you have stuff logged in all over the place. If your computer, no, if no, you no, no, no. my server is way important, more important than what's in Google. I, I mean, let's I let's say my server is Bank of America that I work for. I mean, it, it's a, it's a whole nother level. America, if you work for Bank of America and don't lock your terminal, you don't deserve to work for Bank of America. I'm sorry, but that doesn't make the statement untrue, Bart. My statement is still true. This is a whole nother level of worse. This isn't just everything you're connected to on your Mac and and on the web. This is the servers that you control as well. Uh, Let's say you, for example, you're a webmaster. You take care of other people's web servers. If you didn't log out of your computer, then their data is at risk. So that's way beyond your data being at risk. I I I don't see the distinction because as far as I'm concerned, I, like if I'm connected to a share or if I'm connected to anything, because if I'm using my computer and I don't lock my screen when I leave, then I'm an absolute complete moron and I don't deserve. Like I don't understand the concept of having your computer logged in and leaving it open. I don't I lock my screen. It's sitting inside my house. I walk up to it okay, and use right. it. But that's not well. Then that's not unsafe. You're in a secure area, so it is secure. If you do that in Starbucks, then I would say that's a very dumb thing to do. But if you do that at home, that's not a dumb thing to do. You're, you're in okay, a secure it, area. I, th- I think your um, angle is a little different than mine is in one case, if I'm not a webmaster, if I don't have this uh, ephemeral SSH agent running, I have X amount of stuff that can get wrecked. With this running, I have X plus Y. It is bigger than what I have that can get wrecked without this. Okay, true. It is. You can call me a moron for not locking my screen, but it's still X plus Y. It is bigger. This is way more bigger. Okay, sure. It's another thing. It's, yeah, sure. It's equivalent to ticking save passwords all over the place. It's equivalent to not logging out of every single service immediately. It's all part of the same continuum. It's, if you're logged into your computer and you have enabled things, and they're it's enabled, it's part of the same continuum. It's a it's a, a completely different responsibility to be running a server than it is all this other stuff. That entirely depends on what the server is and what the other stuff is. It's not philosophically any different to ticking the save my password box in a web browser or to not logging out of stuff. It's so the then there's then there's n- n- this suddenly got uninteresting to me. It seemed like this SSH thing was pretty cool and pretty interesting. But if it's just like having a password, then what's so crazy about it? Seems well, it's like a really secure. Okay, so what you're securing from is the fact that you're going across the internet. You're not securing from someone sitting at your computer. That's not the aim of the exercise here. The aim of the exercise is to securely reach out across the internet or the world. And SSH is fantastic for that. That's okay. what it's for. Okay, that's the public-private key thing and all that. Yes, and what the job of the SSH agent is is to allow you to securely reach out across the planet without hassle. Because if you make it difficult, who's going to secure stuff properly? They're just going okay. to use it seems like you, keys. But it seems like you've got to type it all the time anyway. Because no, you, no, cause you no, log no, out every time you walk away from your screen. No, no, but that doesn't kill your agent. That just stops people sitting at your screen. You said logging if you log out. out. This, okay, well, locking your screen is not logging out. Okay. So every morning, I mean... Uh, oh, God, no. Hang on. Up time. Nine days at the moment on this laptop. Okay. So you're not a moron for staying, keeping your machine up. I thought you said we were supposed to log out every time. We were morons no, no, we're if we we're supposed did. to lock our screen. Lock, not log out. Lock. Okay. All lock right. your screen. Okay, lock let's keep screen. going. Let's keep going. I think we have a different view on this. But... 
Okay. Um, I've completely... Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. So the point is, you your SSH agent is your SSH agent. So if you have, say, a shared Mac Mini sitting in the house and you log in and Steve logs in, there will be two agents. His agent and your agent. And any app that you start in the terminal or that you double-click on will use your agent and any app that Steve starts or Steve double clicks on will use Steve's agent. So the agent, so not... the agent's on the server. No, on your client. The agent sits on your machine. The agent's job. You are SSHing two things. The agent is on your computer. Okay, You're just protecting your. Say your, say your first feet. sentence again. Then uh, of uh, we've got a Mac Mini and there's me and Steve. You said two different agents are on it. I thought. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I don't mean that you're going to the Mac Mini. It's, it's a family computer. It's a computer that every that it's in it's in the sitting room. Multiple people in the family use it. Maybe you. Okay. Sure. No. 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 That's a perfectly good example. I'm just trying to get you to repeat what you said because I misunderstood. Because it sounded like the SSH agent was on the server, but you say it's on the client. So yes. say the okay. beginning so, again. Right. So the SSH agent is for protecting your private key. Private keys never leave. So that's how you remember where the agent is. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so let's say that there's a shared computer in your house and you have an account on it and Steve has an account on it and you use fast user switching and so you're both logged in at the same time. You have two agents, one each. Not, you... on, not on that server, on our individual uh, computers. Yes, there is, okay, there are, the, agent, the, the agent is on your computer. You run your agent on your computer. It lets you SSH two things. Got it. Okay, it's not a remote thing. It's a local thing. It's... It's with your private key. It's local. It's, it's at the source, not at the destination. And it's aware of everywhere you try to go to, and it helps you go to places, but it's your agent running where you are. So it's local it. to you. Okay. Okay. And you have one each. And the app, so if you start an app, that app runs as you, therefore your agent will be found. If Steve starts an app, that app runs as Steve, so Steve's agent will be found. So it's very important to understand that there's not an agent per computer. It's actually per person logged in to a computer. So it's very personal. It's very yours. Yep. Yes. Okay. So on a Mac, you just log in and you have this agent. It's an agent that knows nothing. And right? it's just sitting there with the ability to remember, but it has nothing to remember yet. So the very first thing you may want to do is to actually load an identity into the SSH agent. So you can explicitly do that with the ssh-add command. In fact, all of your interaction with the ssh agent will be with the ssh-add command. To confuse you, there is an ssh-agent command, but that's actually the command that is the agent. <laughs> so that will be started. The OS will use ssh agent to create your agent, but for anyone to interact with their agent, it's ssh-add. And ssh-add knows how to find your exact agent, just like all the other commands know how to find your exact agent, because it could be many of them on the computer. So what does add mean in this context? It means adding an identity into the cache. So if you run ssh-add space minus L for list, it will show you what it knows, if it knows anything at all. So if you're, if you're not sure, is my computer starting an ssh agent? If you run ssh agent minus L, it will either say the agent has no identities, which means it is running. It just doesn't have anything in it. Or it will give you a list of keys. Or it will say 
could not open a connection to your authentication agent. If it says could not open a connection, it means that you don't have an agent. So whatever Linux you're on didn't start one for you. And you now need to go RTFM, read the fine manual to figure out how to do that in your particular flavor of whatever you're using. So the very first thing to do is to check that you actually have an agent. So SSH add space minus L, which if you do that on a Mac out of the box without doing anything else, and I asked you to test this for me. Last I just week, recognized it. Yeah. So you should see now the agent has no identities. Yep. Okay. So if you have on the computer you're using, if you have a default identity, and if it has a passphrase, you could load that by simply running SSH add with no arguments. So if you just say SSH minus add, no arguments, it will try load your default key if you, or your default identity if you have one. I yeah. do have one, so it's asking me for my password. It is doing that uh, passphrase. It is doing passphrase. that as well to me. Did I set one up? <laughs> we definitely did set one up for you. And I have one. The last time we had to use it, we spent a long time finding that password in one password. Yeah, I um, I do have one in here for the Mac Mini. It says SSH key on Allison at Mac Mini. So that's probably not really on the Mac Mini. It's on me here, right? We probably copied the key, possibly, because it is just a file. Because I think we we copied it when you got a new computer. I think we copied it from your old computer, so you didn't have to reset everything up. Well, it doesn't like that passphrase. I just, <laughs> I know it took us quite some time to find it last time, because we needed to enter it into that shiny new SSH app I got you to use. And it right. took us about half an hour to get the key loaded into that app, because it there was some confusion as to where the password was. So we may do that off air. <laughs> okay. Does the that mean I won't be able to play along, until, play along until we do that? Um, You can play along a little bit. Um, Not as much, I guess, as, as you otherwise possibly could. Um, If you have a second identity that's not oh, your default identity. I might have found it. Aha. Okay. Let's see. Yep. It's under okay, so RSA now... keys RMBP. <laughs> oh, but of course. I will put the word SSH in there. Yes. Uh, so once you've loaded that successfully, if you then run SSH add minus L again, it should list it as being there. You will see its key size, the type of key it is, its signature, and the file path. So hmm. probably 2048, probably SHA256, some glop, mm -hmm. which is your unique key fingerprint and slash users slash allison slash dot ssh slash id underscore rsa at a guess it is look at that so it's key size key type fingerprint file path so and that fingerprint that. is me is this that identity yeah okay that is a digital signature of the identity file okay so every everyone's ssh key or sorry identity has its own fingerprint and so that apparently random glop well it arguably it is random right it's a digest of a randomly chosen 2048 bit key so, so if, yeah, if people random. people who are listening uh have not created it before would it be prompting them to create one no it would just say no there is no default identity uh, and then you would look at episode 30 and it would walk you through creating one with ssh key gen okay I, yeah, I didn't repeat that because I just linked to it. Sure, well. sure. But if you guys want to stop here and run over to 30 and read that and put it back in, then you can. <laughs> we'll wait. Pick it up. Yes, we'll wait. Or rather, we'll hope you pause. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice to have you back.
<laughs> okay, so it, it is often the case. So stuff like GitHub works off SSH identities. And so you may be given an SSH identity by someone so that you can access their GitHub. Or there are lots of things that use SSH identities out there. Um, so you may be given an SSH identity by someone for some reason. So you may have more than one. And obviously only one of them is your default, right? And they're just files. So you can put them anywhere you like. So if you want to add another identity to your agent, you would just be say SSH minus add space minus A and then the path to the private half of that identity. So not okay. the one that ends in .pub. Hold on. Hold on. So the SSH... H agent is is me. I am I am uniquely. We said no, that the, the, the identity, identity is, is you. You're right. You, you may have multiple identities, right? You can have multiple accounts on Google. Each of those accounts is you. So you can, just have, you can have multiple identities, but those identities are unique to me. But you just said somebody can give you one. You, right. So. I had I okay I have multiple identities in work because we work with multiple organizations and they basically said I need you to generate a key pair and I was handed the private key that they had made for me. <laughs> You're saying this right after you said never ever 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 let the private key out of your hands well, okay, to somebody else. This, right, but in this case the point of it is to give it to me to keep. So it's like generating a password for someone and handing it to them. It's Huh. I'm, it's not being published, right? It's being securely, and it was securely shared with me. It was not emailed to me. Okay. Or rather, it was not emailed to me in plain text. Okay, so I've got one identity in here, which is the identity I used. Um, it's the default identity. So tilde My slash default identity. Yeah, okay. Tilde slash dot SSH slash ID underscore RSA. And you're saying I can create another identity. Yes. Why would I want another identity? Um, well, maybe you have multiple hats you wear. Okay, but so I wouldn't maybe, need a different one for every server I managed. No, but you would. You may want to classify them. So you may have one identity you use for all of your personal stuff, and you may be given that identity, say, by someone. Let's an say you, you contracting for someone. Sure. They may say, you know, use an identity for us. You may have another one for your podcasting. You may have another one for some consulting work you do. You may have another one for a day job. Right? And you would have those separate identities because? Well, to separate things, right? So... You, just like you can have multiple Google accounts for all the same reasons you could have multiple identities. It's the same idea. Okay. Right. I have I have too many Google accounts to shake a stick at. If you do if you have multiple hats in life, you may have multiple identities. And if you have multiple identities, the way you load the ones that are not your default is by saying SSH add minus A and then the file. Hmm. And then it will load it just fine. And then if you happen to have one and you did a minus L, you'd see two lines or three lines or four lines or five lines. I think a lot of our listeners will have one identity. I just yeah, I no. happen to be a person who ends up with three because I just that's just how life works sometimes. Right. Uh, there is obviously the inverse of adding, which is removing. And in the true Microsoft Windows style, the command to remove things from your SSH agent is also SSH add. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to remove your default identity from your cache, it's SSH add space minus D with no arguments. So if you run that now, you will see it it remove your default identity. What? But I can put it back. By, sure. Yeah, by... It's just a cache, right? Right. And it's the scary. Identity removed. 
and it'll say the file path and it will say the comment if there is a comment inside the identity. Why didn't it ask me which identity to remove? Did because it? you didn't give it an argument, which means the default one. Okay. Okay. Uh, if you want to remove a specific one, it's minus D space followed by the file name. Oh. And if you want to just empty the cache without having to think about it, it's minus capital D. Just throw everything away. I don't care what's in here. Everything, nothing, anything. Make it all go away. SSH add space minus capital D. And that will be all gone. Then okay. you have an empty agent again. So that's SSH agent. That's kind of all there is to it, right? It's it's yours. It sits. It belongs to your login process. So it sits with your login session. It caches keys for you, whether you're using GUI apps or whether you're using the terminal. And if you'd like, you can add and remove key identities at will. And that that is all it does. It's not a very complicated thing. It's just a cache. Yeah. So let's have a look at the Mac because on the Mac, you used to have the appearance of magic. Because Apple have their own version of SSH agent. It does everything the normal one does, and Apple added extra features. And what they added was an integration with Keychain, which means that on the Mac, if you add the passphrase to your Keychain, you don't have to enter it to get it into the agent. So oh. the effect you get on the Mac is completely frictionless use of SSH. So you double-click transmit, and it never asks you for a password, or you type the SSH command on the terminal, and it never asks you for a password. Because what happens is the SSH command says, is there an SSH agent? The SSH agent says, yes, I'm here. What would you like? I'd like, well, I'd like the passphrase, or I'd like the private key for Allison's default identity, please. The agent says, oh, I don't have that. But I'm a Mac. I know how to talk to the keychain. Keychain, do you have the passphrase for Allison's default identity? Well, yes, I do. Great. I'll decrypt. I'll hand it to SSH and I'll cache a copy. Hmm. So that's how it worked on all versions of OS X from 10.5 up to and including 10.11. And that is not how it works in 10.12. And Hmm. that's the reason for this entire episode existing. Because when we worked through this together in episode 30, I just said, tick the little checkbox there that says remember, and you'll never have to enter that password again. Because what was happening is the integration with Keychain. So basically, OS X automatically did the SSH agent stuff, and it automatically integrated the agent with Keychain. So you were always using the agent. You just never knew you were. And you never had to know you were. It was a checkbox. That tick box did all the work. Hmm. Now, that is not standard behavior. No other operating system behaves like that. And one of the things Apple did in macOS Sierra was they normalized their SSH to make it behave like non-Mac people would expect. The good news is they haven't removed any features. What they've done is they've made, they've changed the default. So by default, you do not integrate with the keychain, but you can if you like, which means if you want the old behavior back, it is entirely in your power. So right now, if I, what is it? Give me a path where I would see it, ask me for the password where it wouldn't have had I been in still in, what is it, Yosemite? Or or El Cap or whatever. So if you you had your key set up and you had ticked the box once, 
six months ago, a year ago, two years ago to remember the passphrase, which means it's in your keychain, you would go to the terminal and you would type SSH username at server enter and you would just log in. On Sierra, you would type that and you would be asked for the password or the passphrase to the SSH identity. And that would surprise you because, well, this was working until I upgraded to Sierra. Why has this suddenly stopped working? And the reason we had such trouble finding your password for you last time was because you hadn't needed it in perhaps many versions of OS X. I mean, it, we, we could have set you up in like whatever came before Mavericks or something, mm-hmm. right? And the keychain stayed with you and the Mac continued to behave the same way. So it's possible you hadn't needed that password in three, four, five years. And then all of a sudden you upgrade to Sierra and it says, I'd like your password, please. At that point, I hadn't figured out what was going on under the hood. So my solution was use this really cool new SSH app. <laughs> Which right. is cool. I like it. It is a cool app and I like the app and I actually use the app a lot. But the reason I discovered the app was because Sierra broke what had been my workflow for years. And at the time, the internet was highly confused about what was going on because it turns out Apple did document it, but they didn't put it front and center. It wasn't listed in the features of Sierra. It wasn't like, we've changed everything for SSH people. That was not one of the features on their webpage. Uh, they did the, if you typed man SSH underscore config, you actually would have found the answer. But apparently very few people did that because even the Googles were not filled with people <laughs> with the answer. Uh, And then there was a strange intermediate phase where the Googles had an answer. It was just the wrong answer. The Google's answer was to use SSH minus add. So anyway, let's let's work through what Apple have done that's non-standard. So everything we talked about until now works on all different OSs. What I'm going to talk about now is Apple only. So the first Apple only thing that's in Apple's version of the SSH agent is the minus capital A flag. And what that says is load into the agent everything that is in the keychain in terms of SSH identities. So that... Oh, so just the dash A means go talk to the keychain. Yes, dash capital A, so a shouty A. (laughs) Uh Right, so minus A is just add a normal key. So minus capital A is add all the identities from the keychain. So if you had upgraded your Mac from LCAP to Sierra... If you just once after login typed SSH add space minus capital A, then everything would suddenly be just like it used to be. It so it load. changes it and tells it to always go look in the keychain. No, just for that one time. So then you reboot your Mac, you'd lo- you run that command once, and then it's in again until you reboot your Mac again. Wait, wait, so wait, the- wait, wait. How is it still there if you're saying it's not there if I reboot? Okay, so the agent goes away. So the SSH minus capital A reaches into the keychain and pushes the keychain into the agent. That agent will then vanish into the ether. So the next time you log in, you need to do that push again. Right? So the keychain always has so, the information. So that's why I said it would it would stop. You'd have to do it every time you log in then. I thought you said the opposite. Sorry. No. Um, uh, yes, that is exactly correct. You would have to meant. do that every time you log <laughs> I in. I probably said it backwards. Okay. So the first piece of bad advice that came up on the internet was telling people that they should automate that process by adding SSH minus capital A into their tilde slash dot bash underscore profile file. And that way, every time they opened the terminal, the command would run and it would suck everything from the keychain into the agent and then you could work away. But that means every time you open a terminal, it does that, which is a waste of time, effort, and it's just not a particularly pleasant way to do things. Also, 
until you open a terminal, it doesn't do that. So that's actually not a good solution. Um, the other thing then, is, so the, that's the first thing Apple did that's non-standard is a minus capital A. The other thing they did was they created two configuration variables, which you can add into a file we have mentioned in either 29 or 30 called tilde slash dot ssh underscore config, which is the configuration file for ssh. Or rather, your configuration file for ssh while you're logged in. Everyone gets to have their own one so they can have their own special settings. And so the two keys are called use keychain and the valid values are yes and no. And add keys to agent and the valid values are yes and no. And these are basically push and pull. So use keychain controls the flow of passphrases from the agent to the keychain. In other words, that comes into place the first time, as in the first time ever, 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 a key is encountered. So in other words, you run SSH keygen to make a brand new identity. You reload it into the agent once. If use keychain is set to yes, then that passphrase will be pushed to the keychain. So in other words, the first time I meet a passphrase, push it to the keychain. So write to the keychain is what use keychain means. Hmm. Okay. Add keys to agent is the opposite. In other words, when I need a key, or when I need a passphrase, go look in the keychain. In other words, that's the old default behavior there of it just automatically happens. So if you set use keychain equals yes, add keys to agent equals yes, you get back exactly the same behavior you had in 10.11. So one thing that bothers me is when we do things like this and I get a new Mac, then we spend years trying to figure out all the things that we did. Do you like document all this stuff somewhere when you do these things? Um. Yes and no. <laughs> um, the nice thing about these terminally things is that they're actually very easy to copy from one Mac to another. Everything to do with your customization of SSH is in a folder called .SSH in your home directory. So if you copy your .SSH file, you have your config, you have your identities, you have everything. Yeah, but I don't know that's in there. <laughs> I mean, I know when when you teach me, I know it right then. But three years from now, when I get a new Mac, I'm not going to know that. I'm not going to remember that because I don't go messing around in there, you know? Yeah, okay. That is a valid point. I guess practice makes perfect on that one. Um, Or maybe you keep an Evernote of things to do on a new Mac. I don't know how we're going to together. 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 There we go. Okay. (laughs) Well, that that seems, yeah. So that seems like a line to add to together. Copy tilde slash dot SSH. Yeah, I I did start a file like that at one time, but I didn't keep it up to date. (laughs) Ah, I mean, every time I'm like, ah, all my services are gone, you know, or I I forgot this piece over here. How did I make my screenshots not be have those big stupid shadows on them? Oh, that's a default's right. Blah blah blah. I do have that file. Okay, well, that that is, I'm afraid, the only answer I can give. Yeah. Well, I was just wondering how you do that. Well, I do that when I run into it. So basically, I get a new Mac. I go SSH, my username at my server, and it goes, nope. And I go, huh. Oh, yeah, I better copy over my .SSH folder. And (laughs) then I copy it over. 
But the thing is, all of the command line stuff, all of the terminal stuff is in dot files or folders in your home directory. So if you do an ls minus al tilde, you're going to see all of that Unixy stuff. And there's a fair bit of it, actually. You, well, there is on my Mac. <laughs> so all the stuff ending in dot. Yeah, not yeah, too so much for me. CPAN and git config and node REPL history and NPM and Oracle JRE usage. Why the sudden hell is Oracle on my Mac? Hey, I've got that too. Java Runtime oh, Engine. And this is a brand oh, new Mac. Java. It's Java. And I just updated my Java today. So, yeah, that's real. I don't think I'm running Java, but it says on October 20th I did. Maybe it came with you. No, did you do? No, you I did a clean, clean install. You know me. That's Good. why all my my dot ssh stuff isn't there. Missing. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, all the Unixy okay. stuff will be in dot files or folders. So you do sort of the more you spend time with the terminal, the more you know that those dot files and folders exist, and that that's they're all very sensibly named. Like you know, where's mm -hmm. the settings for ssh? It's in dot ssh. Okay, I can live with that. Right, right. And your git stuff is in dot git and your subversion stuff is in dot subversion. It, it it's not at least it's not silly. <laughs> it's something, right? Yeah, all right. Okay, so that's actually it. So basically what it all boils down to is Wait, you, you didn't tell us to do anything yet. You told us how I it did. would be done, but you didn't say, Okay, let's open a, a Okay. In your favorite text editor, edit tilde slash .ssh config, copy and paste in the lines in the show notes, finished. Okay, vi what? Dot con tilde. tilde dot config? Tilde slash dot ssh uh -huh. slash config. And ctab may or may not complete it. You may or may not have one. You probably don't have one, actually. I don't have one. I wouldn't think so. I have one because I run my servers on funny port numbers, and so I use that file to remember my funny port numbers. Most people probably don't have an SSH config file. <clears throat> Excuse okay. Me. So we're going to so edit I, it, and then yeah. copy, and, copy paste. and paste. Use keychain, sure. yes. Add keys to agent, yes. And you may or may not want to copy the comment above it. I like to stick the comment in because my SSH config file contains other things, and so I just like to leave a note to myself telling me what on earth I was thinking. <laughs> that's entirely optional and if your file contains only those two entries probably excessive but anyway I comment my stuff so anything starting with a pound sign or a hash symbol or an octo bang or something no not an octo bang octothorpe octothorpe that was it that's the formal name of that the command two key two parallel lines two parallel lines thing oh oh yeah you're right you're right not the command key. Yeah, the, the hashtag number key. Yeah. Drunk plus symbol. How do you get out of VI again? Esk to go out of insert mode. That's it. Okay. Colon WQ for right to quit. There you go. All right. But I don't know. How, I still don't know that I would have been able to tell that it wasn't working before. Well, that's because you're now using that GUI, which is actually saving the path. Which is that, so that GUI talks to the keychain directly. Which is why you okay. haven't. So the end result is very similar. It's just that the GUI was doing it the GUI's way. So we looked up that password for you once. It took us a while. And then you put it into the GUI and the GUI is safely storing that for you in the keychain. And now your terminal is also accessing your keychain. So now whether you use the GUI or whether you use the terminal. So if you try to redo exercises in 29 and 30, 
you would have found yourself entering passwords over and over again. So I tried to SSH into my Mac Mini and it did ask for a password, but the password it wanted was my login over on the Mac Mini as if I were standing in front of it. Well, that implies that the public key part of your identity is not on the Mac Mini. Hmm. So the Mac Mini hasn't been configured to accept you via public key. So maybe what's safe for you in the nice fancy SSH GUI is simply your username and password. Okay, but I know this is, we've done it right on my real server. By the way, the, the app he's been talking about is called SSH Shell. Thank you. I couldn't remember it, and I was really hoping you would. <laughs> I, had to, I had to bring it up in front of me here. I forget where we find me, that. Was that a Mac app? That even might be a Mac, Mac app, store app Store app, right? It's a Mac App Store app. It has a yellow icon, which is a, a yellow circle with a terminal symbol in it. Yeah. I will. Uh, they, have, they also have a, a companion app for doing SSH tunneling. If you need to SSH tunnel to stuff, it's a really cool app, which is the same icon, a yellow thing, but it's sort of a spidery, networky looking icon inside it. If you do SSH tunneling, then their app is lovely. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you don't need their app. <laughs> it's from Codin Technology, C-O-D-I-N-N Technologies. It's very yeah. pretty and it's very wonderful. And I'm, I actually go run maintenance scripts on my web server, on the chat server for the, the live show all by myself because this works so well. Yeah, and I use it every day in work all the time, and I do a lot of SSHing and stuff, and it works. It works very well for me. Yeah, I think it's more impressive that I can do it. Everybody knows you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But okay, my point is it, impressive of the were, tool, if, not of me. <laughs> if it made me cranky, it would be death by paper cuts because I do it so often. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's it. So an endorsement from a noob who hardly ever uses it to somebody who has to use it constantly. Yeah, so there's the two endorsements you want, right? And like I say, it's I get cranky easily with bad software. Exactly, exactly. All right, well okay, that well, was that was cool. We should put a link to this at the end in the uh, in the show notes. I'll find it for you. Excellent. Yes, we should. Um, so basically, the, that's all. That's all she wrote. So we have now revisited. And this is very much a companion to part thirty, especially. So twenty nine was intro to SSH, thirty was SSH identities, and so this is very much a companion to thirty. Um, I also spent quite some time over the last few days converting Taming the Terminal into a proper series. So you'll notice using that fancy pants series' WordPress plugin I installed for programming by stealth, we now have the full table of contents of the entire series in every post, which we didn't used to have. So that makes oh. life easier for people to jump around. And I'm experimenting with a whole new WordPress plugin that automatically generates a table of contents for every page, which if... I get it styled the way I like is going to appear in all of programming by stealth. So you can jump around more quickly instead of me describing what to scroll to. Oh, that would be nice. So basically every time you use an H an, an H tag, it gets a link. It gets an entry in the quick link section at the top of the page. Oh, automatically. oh I need that. I need I, I that. Say I'm still experimenting with it. There's about five different ones that do the same thing and I'm trying to choose the best one. I will let you know the results of my research. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because that would be that would be really handy. Because I've spent time doing anchor tags and talk about death by paper cuts. I just want to yeah. shoot myself. I've never been able to figure out. It seemed like, they always seem like there should be a uh, a way I could do it with text expander where it would be easy. Where you click a link at the top, it jumps down. But no, it's just it's just murderous. It's just horrible. Well, well, what this does is every time you write an H tag, it automatically creates an anchor. And then it links to all the anchors at the top of the post. Oh, it's fabulous because I do lots of H tags and people would love yeah. that. Yeah. You're perfect. Like, and that's the whole point. So it nests them as well. So you have like one revision, two SSH agents, 2.1. It's all about the SSH ad command, 2.2 loading identities, 2.3 removing identities. I mean, 
that's perfect. Without even scrolling down beyond the more tag, you have everything you need to jump straight to it. So that'll be great in programming by stealth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be fabulous. Yeah. As I say, and I'm also, you'll be happy to know, I think, inspired by you, I'm about to pull the trigger on a project to change the theme on Bartby.ie. I have found four different Bootstrap 4 themes to pick between. Yay. So my last excuse, my last <laughs> excuse for putting off this evil and horrible task. <laughs> and so you you just spent a few months doing it and your site looks gorgeous. And right now I'm helping a friend of mine do it to his site and his site is going to go live within the next few days and his site looks gorgeous. <laughs> and my site looks like absolute crap. Now that I've helped two people do it, it's like, okay, it's my turn. <laughs> Good. It is. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons it took me so long was that uh, I, I got it figured out but just the nerve to pull the trigger was hard for me. But I think uh, you have the nerve part, so. Oh, I don't mind breaking things. <laughs> as, as a colleague in work says, we have the luxury that we won't kill anyone. It's not like this is a life support machine and if we mess it up, someone's going to die. Yeah. You know, oh no, someone can't read my blog posts. Oh well. <laughs> I, for some reason, feel like it is, you know, someone's life is hanging in the balance when my server's down. I just, it's, a, oh my gosh. I save that, I save that for work. In work, I stress about uptimes and all that kind of stuff. Stuff I do for fun at home, I don't care. Okay. If Bartby.e is down for a day. Wow. Down for a day. Sorry, folks. Oh, if Bartby.e comes down for an hour, that's like the longest hour of my life. I take it very seriously. Well, the thing is, I've had a few outages, actually. I had my MySQL server fell over twice in the last three months. And I was down for eight hours at a time and didn't seem to bother anyone. The world kept turning. <laughs> I don't like it, Mark. All right. Okay, well, that's like very that cool. One. I'm looking okay. I'm looking forward to that. As long as all, all I'm asking for is wider. That's all it, wider. Oh, no, the top of the list, Alison. And not, no, no, no. You don't just want wider. You want a bigger typeface. Yeah, but I mean, I've at least been able to accomplish that with the command plus. But when the width is so narrow, it just makes it scroll and uh, just, just and and I want it for the uh, the code blocks. The typography was one of the things I'm going to be focusing on most heavily because I don't want a flashy website. I don't want the website with bells and whistles. I want a website with really nice typography that's easy on the eyes. Nice in the sense of easy to read and pretty, but easy to read is like top priority whether i succeed in these lofty aims is an entirely different question but that's what i'm hoping for. <laughs> all right well this is uh this is great and it's fun to hit a little taming the terminal i guess uh next time you and i talk uh we're going to be just doing some lighter stuff but uh that will be in a different feed so these people may or may not hear that it's yeah I, i'm going to be in the light feed how weird is that <laughs> anyway <laughs> all right that sounds good we'll talk to you uh in a couple of weeks Indeed, and until then, happy computing. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. We are now supported by Patreon, so if you go over to podfeet.com slash Patreon, you can pledge your support to the show in weekly installments. If you don't have money to spare, I understand that. And it would be great if you used our Amazon affiliate links when you buy things on Amazon anyway, and a little bit of money goes to help the show. I love feedback, so please send me email at allison at podfeed.com. And you can join in our Facebook group over at podfeed.com slash Facebook and our community at podfeed.com slash Google+. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.